Good morning. Thank you for getting up and making it out this morning. We're going to be um, talking through mentorship. Mentorship has been something that's been a part of my entire career, actually a part of my life. It's something that I've done from uh, a very young age, from having mentors to mentoring younger folks. And uh, I still do it now. And it's just been an incredible, um, an incredible uh, benefit for me, a credible benefit for our panelists. So we're excited to get started and talk through some of the uh, questions we have for you this morning. And I'm going to try not to bang all this click clack I have on my jacket. So I apologize for any uh, extra noise that I bring today. But um, I'll start by introducing myself. I'm Letitia Taylor. I'm the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Director for Northrop Grumman Space Business. Um, I've been with the company for about 23 years. I've actually started in engineering. I spent about 20, 20 years in engineering before um, moving full-time into DE&I. I love my job. I've loved this, the opportunity to navigate through um, Northrop Grumman from both technical to non-technical work. And I'm um, just excited to be here and talk with you this morning. So I'm going to introduce my illustrious panelists who we have here this morning. I'm going to start with Chris Payne. Okay. Uh, good morning. My name is Christopher Payne. I serve as the Director of Engineering, um, Oceanic Engineering in Annapolis, Maryland. I've been with the company nearly 19 years. It'll be 19 uh, May 3rd of this year. Um, I started off in software engineering when I, when I joined the company, uh, moved to systems, various roles of leadership, ultimate, ultimately into management, program management, and now director. Uh, I'm responsible for about 320 engineers in uh, Annapolis, um, serving the undersea warfare and special defense OUs. Um, Underseas is a very cool place, really enjoying it. Um, I am a past Baya, not winner, but attendee. I used to come to this conference as a college student, so this is a full circle moment for me. So excited to talk to you guys today. Right. Thank you, Chris. Anthony? Hello. Hello. My name is Anthony Hickman. I'm in, I guess, aeronautics, uh, part of the company. I'm a software engineer. I've been with the company for about 20 years. I've uh, started off in software in about 2016. I, I moved over to software quality. I've worked on uh, various programs from uh, mostly radar, NPR tip, and then Global Hawk, uh, working Strike, and some uh, other SAP type program, Apex. and it's, it's been a great career. Uh, I like quality because I like process and I like people and I have a lot of suppliers that I work with, like 23 to 24 different suppliers that I uh, oversee. And I'm in Melbourne, Florida. Good morning, everyone. So I am Tina Murray. And first and foremost, I want to say thank you for this opportunity. Although the panel did not tell me to wear blue, so I'm a little left out a little bit. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so Tina Murray, I am out of Baltimore, Maryland. I have been with Northrop Grumman just about 16 years. I'm currently the director of space manufacturing operations. We have a lot of fun um, within space, and Northrop Grumman's booth is downstairs. Please make sure you come see us. Um, I have been in industry for 16 years, mainly around operations, but I did take a couple stints in program management. So I would love to talk to anyone who wants to have a little bit more follow-up about it. And I look forward to talking this morning. Thank you. All right. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> My name is Anthony Alston. I um, am a software, I originally started North Grumman as a software engineer, which led into becoming a system engineer. Um, I work out at the Newport News, Virginia office. I've been with Northrop Grumman for 26 years. 
the projects that I've worked on in my career deal with command and control, missile defense, um, and we're now uh, getting into the new field of multi-domain um, operations where you can bring the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, all the disciplines together and provide a, a common tool that allows the warfighter to uh, complete his mission. And I am actually being honored later today for the Technology Leader Award. Good morning. My name is Brian Wiggins. I am a human resources director at our corporate office in Falls Church, Virginia. I've been with Northrop Grumman for about seven years now. Uh, one of the cool things about being in HR is you get to do a little bit of everything. So I've been uh, on an Air Force base uh, for a couple years, got to work with submarines for a couple years in our Sunnyvale, California site. And now I'm, I'm just a boring in the corporate headquarters and, and, and do that. So I uh, support everybody from uh, the, our chief strategy officer to our uh, CTO and, and sort of uh, everything in between. So um, glad to be here today. Thank you. And before we let's give one more round of applause for Anthony. Yeah. Both yeah. Anthony's are actually modern day technology winners this year. So I'm going to make sure I get you out on time because I know the uh, modern day luncheon is, I'm sorry, the modern day recognition event is just on the heels of this. So we'll make sure you get out on time. I will ask that if you do have a question that you go to the mic, there's a mic here just in the center of the room. Um, and then we'll jump on. You ready? You ready to jump in? All right. All right, let's get going. So I'm going to start with Chris for my first question. I just ask you to share a little bit about your first mentee experience. Um, so my first mentee experience, um, believe it or not, I was a rising junior in high school. Um, I was a part of an intern program in Rochester, New York. Um, and I interned at Bausch & Lam um, in their research and development uh, department. Um, working with science. Thanks, Ted. That's one of my mentors there. He's still mentoring. Um, and I worked with scientists and PhDs um, as a high school student. And what it taught me was how to show up, how to be a professional, um, how to provide value in any situation. Um, and it gave me the confidence uh, to go back to school, continue to do well, matriculate through college, and then go on to internships as a college student. So it was very, very um, uh, influential in terms of my, my development, my confidence, and my growth. All right. And so what were some of the lessons that you learned that prepared you for the next opportunity after that, so that next step? So, so what it prepared me for was um, not to, to just sit and wait for things to happen, um, look for opportunities to ask questions, to get involved. Um, sometimes if you, you're given one task, um, you finish it, what's next? Um, being curious, um, being humble. Um, I think I was probably one of the few people in my neighborhood who knew how to operate a UV spectral photometer, right? Not something that I ever thought I would do as a 16-year-old, but they, tr they took a chance on me, and I keep getting those chances that I go, go along in my career. So I think it just prepared me and set me on the right path. Absolutely. And Brian? Yeah, so I think I'll take the lessons learned question there and, and just say, you know, to me, the, the biggest lesson was you got to figure out what you want in a mentor before you actually go in and get a mentor. Um, so, you know, you have to figure out, you know, are, are you looking for career advice? Are you looking for technical mentoring? Are you looking for somebody who's going to help you with your professional maturity and, and figure out how, you, how are you showing up to meetings, right? Um, 
for, for me, uh, I wanted to be the best HR person I could be, and, and so that meant trying to figure out business acumen and trying to figure out how do we actually make money, what is the strategic capture, and what does cost plus actually mean. Um, so, so that that was kind of a big lesson learned for, for me is working uh, with that. Um, you have to have a environment where it is conducive to learn, and, and there's no dumb questions. Um, that, that was probably, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, to my, my, my second mentorship experience um, was, a, was a horrible experience, and, and I can say that because it was with a competitor, um, but, but it, <laughs> it, it, my, my, that mentor was a vice president, and I was a year into my career, and, and uh, that person had a relationship with my, with my boss where, where I didn't really feel like I could have that vulnerability coming in, so you got to have to you know, look for a mentor that you can be vulnerable with, that you kind of have a a conducive kind of two-way relationship with uh, that you're giving back as much as you're getting. Absolutely. Thank you. And other panelists? When you're trying to choose a mentor, what I, what I ask for you to do is really try to find someone that's two or three positions up from where you want to go and what path. Like within our corporation, you can have a technical path and you can have a managerial path. I've seen the... Um, like it's, it's something, we started off at the same, same path in software engineering, but I, I wanted to kind of stay technical and stay and go towards quality. So I try to find mentors. I remember Gary Jetson, and I can name their name, that they were um, in the same, they were in MS sector and I moved to AS sector, but they still kept mentoring me in quality and I still pull back onto them and sometimes even have to even audit the people that I mentor and I said, hey, you don't want to train me, so don't, <laughs> don't count it against me. So, but so there's two things. Make sure that you find mentors as like one or two, and sometimes they either go cross to try to go where you want to go. I think another thing that we've been uh, discovering over time, too, is this idea of reverse mentoring, right? So that's the, finding someone that may have less experience than you have, but they're in an area of some, an area that you want to learn more in, right? So that reverse mentoring also happens. And sometimes that can happen organically in that mentor relationship when you're menteeing, sorry, when you're mentoring a mentee, um, but also just looking for those opportunities to just grow and learn about other cultures, about different generations, things like that. Our next question. Going to keep going with our, my Anthony's up here. Um, at what point did you actually make that pivot from being a mentee to being a mentor? Well, if I can think back into my early career, about five years into my career, um, it was another company, it was another Grumman. Um, they had a program called Ambassadors. And so what they asked uh, folks who had been at the company for several years was when new employees came in to provide, like partner you with new employees, and to provide them uh, questions and answers and help them navigate through their onboarding process. Um, so that first couple months of a new employee coming to the company, um, it is a critical period where they are learning how to be an employee, learning about the benefits of the company, and learning exactly what they want to do with their career path. Um, so I, I spent time uh, working with uh, new employees and would meet with them once a week just to ask them, how's it going? Is there, do you have any questions? Is there anything I can help you with? Or let you know, let the employee know about the resources that were available at the company. Um, now, one of the, my, my earlier mem uh, memories is uh, there was a couple of employees that 
This wasn't even a technical type of question. It was more of a benefits financial type of question. Um, helping them understand that there are uh, benefits at the company, such as the 401 plan, and how your, your company actually matches your, your, your uh, contributions. And have an understanding at early in your career, in your early 20s, the, the, the contributions you make then, now, at, you know, at 20, 40 years when you get ready to retire, that's going to compound and that, that will be there for you during your retirement and, and later parts of your career. Thank you for that, Anthony. And I think another um, a thought that came to mind when you shared that was when I was um, early in my career and starting to make those life decisions like, oh, I want to get married or I want to um, have children, I actually talked with my mentors from work on those subjects, even though they weren't directly part of my technical scope of work. But just getting that insight was really helpful. And I'll tell you, I have a mentor in here right now, and I talk to him about everything. There is nothing that's off limits. So thank you, Jay. <laughs> so we're going to continue. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about um, that first mentor um, that you had and how that came to be. Like, how did it transpire? Yeah, like I said, they had a program. It was an ambassador program, and they had they was looking for volunteers that had been with the company. Um, so it, it was like I said, five years for me, um, and I decided to participate in this program. So that was five years ago. So I am 20, 30 years into my career now, um, but I do have a, a memory of an intern that started off at Northrop Grumman, and this person was very diligent. They would go to meetings and they would do their best to try to work on their project or assignment. So one day I just happened to be walking past the, a conference room and the person was sitting in there, uh, you know, researching how to do and how to solve a problem. And this is long after the meeting was over. And I just walked in and asked the question, it's like, how are you doing? Uh, was there anything that I could help you with? And at that point, uh, that relationship formed because I was able, as a senior person, be able to answer that question. They, they were working on Java at the time, and they had questions on how do I do something technically to solve this problem. And so I worked with the person and met with them uh, on a weekly basis just to see if there was anything technically I could help them with on their assignment. Um, and this person now, uh, I just actually looked them up on LinkedIn. They're 20 years into a software engineering career. However, they're not the Grumman. They're with Lockheed Martin, but they are a successful software engineer. Nice, nice. Thank you, Anthony. Hey, Leticia, let me add to that. Mm -hmm. And I want to share, you just reminded me of an experience I had. So my first mentor, I went to Morgan State University. Any Morgan State? <laughs> so I went to Morgan State, and I was in the industrial engineering program, and I was looking for an internship. And I actually hired on with GE Aviation at that time. And the gentleman that hired me took a chance on me, I will tell you. I wasn't admittedly the strongest student, so he kind of took a chance and was like, you know what, I see something in her. So I went and interned with him and then ended up co-oping at GE while working full-time and going to school full-time. And I did that for a few years. And at the end of that, well, I'll say my co-op and when I got that degree, I told him, I said, hey, Northrop Grumman is hiring. What do you think? He was like, yeah, you should go. You should go. And he pushed me after being there for two years. He, and I went to Northrop Grumman, and I did it for like five and a half years. 
And then I was staying in touch with them, the most amazing mentor. And he said, hey, Tina, I know you're interested in program management. I got a role. Why don't you come take a look at it? So I left Northrop Grumman. And I went and left it for two and a half years, had a good time at GE Aviation. And then I said, hey, I'm starting to have kids. My personal life is changing. What do you think? I said, Northrop Grumman has an opportunity. He said, go for it. And I was like, wow. So he's actually like pushing me to advance myself. And that mentor, I will tell you, he didn't look anything like me. We didn't talk. I was a little bit taller. Like We had a good time. <laughs> but he kind of forced me to really stretch myself. And it was not at the advancement of him, right? So he took a chance into me. And that's critical to find mentors who are looking out for you, right? And it may not mean they're going to write the ticket and find that opportunity for you, but just making you stretch. So I tell you, look for a mentor that's going to stretch you. Absolutely. The mentor wants the best for you in your life, right? Your career and all the things that make up your life, all those different aspects. I'm going to continue with Tina. That was a great answer, so I'm going to continue with you. Um, how much time in those sessions, how much time did you devote to the mentor I, sessions? I love that question because I think each mentoring relationship um, is not one size fits all. Right? I think there's some individuals that require a lot of time, a lot of tender lever care. And there's some that says, hey, Tina, I got this going on. What are your thoughts? And we touch base monthly. At a minimum, I do monthly. I am a people leader. I have about 30 people like, on my staff, so I don't have a lot of time on the schedule. So when we get together, the time is intentional. So I have those individuals, again, that are like monthly. I think you should at least touch base with your mentor monthly just to make sure you're staying on his or her radar. But then I do have those individuals that I'll go and task them, like Chris mentioned earlier, and I say, hey, let's talk, let's talk next week. I want to know how you decided to move forward. So I think it depends on you know, kind of what the conversation is around and what that individual needs and go from there. I like that. And Brian? Yeah, I would say that to me the best relationships, the best mentoring relationships I've had in my career are more informal basis than, than formal. And so I agree with you that it's important, I think, at the early onset to do some chartering and figure out, you know, what, what are the expectations and what are we both trying to, to get out of this mentoring relationship. To me, I, I try to not do a whole lot of uh, formal, mentor, formal chartering on, you know, how often are we going to meet and, and, and uh, how long are each of the meetings. It, 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 to me, it's a little bit like dating, right? I mean, I'm not going to sit on a first date and figure out how many dates we're going to go on and, and, and how long are each of our dates going to You know, the, the best relationships to me are, are, you know, I'm able to I am somebody. I'm able to walk in their door. I'm able to just say, hey, like you just described with one of your mentors, you know, I'm going through something right now. I kind of need a sounding board. You know, are you going to be able to, can you be that person to just sort of bounce an idea off of? Um, but with that, like I said, there is some formal chartering on the front end. Um, and then depending on what you're looking for out of a, a mentoring relationship, if it is career advice, I mean, there's going to be some formal documentation in there of, you know, writing out what a career plan looks like, what your aspirations look like, and, and kind of st mapping uh, mapping each step of the way. Uh, you can use that those kind of documents as those formal check-ins to say, hey, are, are, are we making progress here? Are we, are we checking off how you kind of thought you would? Thank you for that. Does anyone else want to jump in? Yeah. All right, Anthony. I do a lot of, I guess, informally mentoring. What happened to me is really I started, when I started seeing young engineers that started coming through the company, it reminded me of myself when I was young and, you know, I see Gazelle and some other people that, um, and they're trying to figure out where they want, want to go. A lot of times I was only after, I remember myself and watch her, she's a director now. <laughs> 
But we were the only um, African-American in the whole group and everything. So it was no one that we could identify. And I, I went to Tuskegee, so it was already bred into as a Tuskegee that we got to give back. I'm in the community. I grew up in the hood, so I'm from the hood. <laughs> so always wanted to give back. I do missionary work. Uh, I go over to Haiti. I build clinics. So I'm always used to grabbing tiger teams and taking them and getting work. I'm in South America, Costa Rica, and a lot of these other places. And I'll grab other young engineers and take them to the school. And then I'll explain to them dynamics. If they're not used to the community, where they're coming from. I'm like, these people just dealing with a police shooting. So we're going to have to redirect our mind to talk about STEM, because they're still really. And, and it's interesting, bringing those uh, young people and bringing the dynamic, but expressing to them to give back. Because I remember ML Jason. He, he was a doctor professor. He would, they had a program at SIU. I had transferred called Minority Excellent. And he would grab all the engineering students and chemistry students, and he would basically tell us what path. And so now I found myself becoming like Emil Jason and a lot of these uh, professors and people that had poured into myself. And so I want to encourage you that you're going to find yourself where you transition. A lot of times when your hair starts turning gray and they start calling you sir. <laughs> or ma'am, that you realize that, wait a minute, I'm not, you know, I'm not equal. They keep calling me sir all the time. <laughs> but, you know, I'm working with you, and they not calling me my first name, but uh, then I said, okay, I guess, okay, now I'm a mentor, you know, and so <laughs> I'm not a peer, and, you know, I stop and say, oh, you can call me Anthony. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay, I guess I am old, so. Wise. You're wise, Anthony. That's what it is. You're wise. <laughs> and also, you know, yes, it's you, you, you're a mentor to the younger generation, but you also could be a peer mentor to somebody that's right. actually the same years of experience that you are. Uh, just having that informal conversation of your system engineer. How did you get there? And being able to be able to provide, hey, these are the things I have done to get to this position. Um, providing that knowledge back and giving that person the opportunity to, to pursue or take on that challenge to uh, grow their career into a, a, a different path that they may, may want to look into. Um, you know, just, it's always being in the right place at the right time to provide that information to help somebody along in their career or life. All right, I'm going to continue on pull on that a little bit, Anthony, because we talked a lot about different types of mentoring relationships, right? Informal, formal, the plan of action style where you kind of go in with a set of goals and a schedule. Yeah. And, and all of those different types of mentoring relationships, you get something out of it. Um, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but I want to uh, get some key uh, lessons that you've gotten out of those mentoring relationships. Yeah, usually the, the, the mentorships that I've been in what it does, it challenges me to be on top of my game. So, if so I know someone's going to ask me that question. Well, I'm going to go and research that answer. So when I go back and talk to that person, I at least know, uh, I'm confident to know that I am giving them the right solution or the right answer. Uh, yeah, you, everybody can go out and Google and search for everything. But I try to make sure that I have an understanding of that concept, uh, so, you know, for system engineering or software engineering. Uh, or even a solution to a, uh, just an engineering problem, to be able to point that person in the right direction and give them sound advice um, to, to help them solve their problem. 
I, I love that, Anthony. And I'll tell you, a tool that I actually use for my mentees, I actually use OneNote. So when I come back to my mentees, I actually have, hey, tell me about how this is going. So I think the mentee and the mentor have a relationship, or what I'll say, a, a role, right? A, a responsibility in that relationship. Uh, my one note that I keep on my mentees are intentional. They know that I'm paying attention. They know that, and like you said, I'm learning from them. I am prepared for those discussions just as much as they are prepared. So it's a two-way street, for sure. Yeah, I, w Go ahead. Yeah, I, wanted, <laughs> I wanted to jump in. Um, I think some of the best mentoring relationships are mutually beneficial. Um, one of my best mentors were, was the VP of Strategy um, at Northrop Grumman um, some years ago. And what I provided to him was he didn't get the ground truth all the time. So, and I would tell him the truth. I think that's, that's um, in, in, a, in specific areas that he was interested in. So I got the benefit of his mentoring, but I also provided value. And I think um, that allows the, the relationship to flourish, um, much to what Tina was saying in terms of keeping track and, and learning from your mentees, but also providing that value. So it needs to be mutually beneficial. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I want to kind of jump on that same same thing. I even had a mentor that tell me, okay, if you really want to go to technical and become a fellow or go to here, you may have to leave quality or you may have to go towards system engineering. You know, I'm like, wait, wait a minute, why can't you make room? <laughs> <laughs> for me within, but they said, hey, we don't have any positions open there. And then, and I realized, you know, sometimes even in a company, like directors or some things, you may have to move to another area, but you have to decide what's best for you. One, someone told me this at McDonnell Douglas when I was interning, he said, your career is your career. You can't blame anyone if you didn't make the right choice. And some choices, you know, it is a family choice. I told a young man, you know, have you talked to your wife about that decision? You know, you're here all the time. You're here seven days a week. I know you want to make this, but you got to have work-life balance. Well, she used to work here. Well, then she already know. You're in a closed environment. You can't call her. You can't talk to her. You got to have a work balance. Maybe tomorrow, let someone else take over that position. Do you have to be here? There's always a crisis. Go home. And it was a peer-to-peer, -peer, but he was just like, and then I'll see him the next day. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> he said, you're right, I'm, I'm checking out. Because if you don't have that balance, you're going to break down. It's going gonna, it's gonna to sneak up on you. It's like, you know, it's going to pile up, and then it's going to crash. So you have to have a work-life balance, and you have to have some areas outside of work, and you got to be a well-balanced person. Because we want well-balanced people that's not just totally here and they're not taking care of home because we want you to be here 25, 30 years or whatever and you're solid. Thank you but, for that. And yeah. I think, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, if I can just go back Absolutely, one on the, uh, on the mutually beneficial relationships and kind of, you know, I, I talked a little bit about informal mentoring and, and how important that is. One of the way, you know, the dangers of that is you have to make sure that the relationship doesn't atrophy and just die over time. And so the way, the best way around that is by making sure that it is a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, everybody is a subject matter expert of something. And if you haven't figured out what you're the subject matter expert on, do some self-reflection to figure out what it is that you bring to the table. Um, because every relate, mentoring relationship or mentor, mentee relationship you should 
uh, go into, you are going to be able to bring something to the table. And so whether that is, you know, how does a how does a new grad uh, think about something that, you know, whatever the company is, is rolling out. Um, what was your recruiting experience like or your assimilation experience like? Um, you know, how do you, how do you think about work-life balance and, and what does your generation kind of you know, uh, bring to the table in terms of that? Um, how, from an agile agile mindset or a digital te technology transformation uh, standpoint, you may have done some things in your in your studies uh, that, or from your previous company, that you're able to say, from a use case standpoint, um, this is this is what we've done in my experience. That you, you know, that my mentor who's worked at Northrop Grumman for 20 years may not have, have been exposed to. So you, you can bring those kind of things, you can bring those ground truths of, hey, here's what's really going on, here's what's being talked about at the level one, level two standpoint. And, and I guarantee you, your mentor is gonna pick up the phone to you just as much as you're picking up the phone uh, to them. So um, again, find find what you can bring to the table, find what you are a subject matter expert of, and, and bring that to work as much, every day if you can. Absolutely, and, uh, and when, as you all were, were answering that question, I thought back to how you get there, right, when it's that, having that mutually beneficial relationship, and it is absolutely through having candid discussions. You want to have a mentor that you can speak candidly to, that you can come, and you, there's nothing that, there's no fluff, right, there's no added anything, there's no layers to it. You can just go and just talk and be real, and I think that's how you kind of really get to what you're saying, Brian. Yeah. Thank you for that. Is there any other? That was a hot question. Everybody answered it. Thank you. All right. Um, so we're going to pivot again and talk a little bit about um, going from a mentor to a sponsor. So if you've had a mentor before, had a sponsor, that, that difference in that, those relationships. And I'm going to start with Anthony Alston. I, I, would, I would say in my career, um, where that actually happened, um, you know, in early in my career, you know, I sought out uh, advice from people that were a couple levels above me. And I recall uh, there was a lieutenant colonel uh, at my at first company, and he sat down and asked different questions. It's like, hey, what are you going to do with your career? Where are you going? Um, but also, I, I get back to the financial question uh, aspect that I was talking about earlier. He sat down and he actually went through in my early 20s, said, hey, do you understand how the 401 plan and how the matching and how that will impact your life 40 years into the future? So he took the time to actually go through, uh, you know, retired lieutenant colonel. So he had been through that life experience to say, hey, at 20 years uh, old, 21 years old, uh, invest in yourself. You know, try to put at least 10% of your income Yes, you're going to be paying your bills and, and you have different obligations out there, but pay yourself first. And just instilling that, that idea that, you know, yes, I come first, um, help me plan my future. So, you know, it, it, it's the decisions that I made at 20 now impact me here 25, 30 years into my career. Um, so that, that was, I believe, my transition in the transition from being a mentee to a mentor was when I had the chance to do the exact same thing, give back to that next generation that was coming behind me, or, or a pure relationship, was to bring up those things that I learned in my early career that benefited me. Uh, financial picture, um, how to be a technical leader, 
how to understand um, uh, interpersonal relationships. You know, it's those things that you develop over time that you can always give back to the next, next generation. Chris? So mentor versus sponsor. sponsor yeah. right. Okay, so um, you know, over my career I had technical mentors, I had career de development mentors, um, and those were people I went to for advice and guidance and things of that nature. Um, as far as sponsorship, there were people that sometimes I didn't even know who they were, but they made sure I got opportunities to do things. Um, one sitting in the front row right here. Thank you, Candace. Um, <laughs> another one sitting over here. He's shy, so I won't say it. No, Ted Imes. Um, another one's right, right back here. But these were people throughout my career that I might not have been in the room, but they spoke my name. They, they gave me an opportunity. They took a chance on me. So that was a difference. Um, I can call Ted now if I'm, I'm talking about something with my career. Actually, Candace and I were talking a little bit last night about what my next steps were, but these are people I trust to give me guidance. Um, but there's also people um, who actually advocate for me um, to get opportunities because of my performance, not just because I'm a nice guy. Um, I think that helps a little bit. But um, I think that's the difference. Sometimes your mentor and your sponsor could be the same people, sometimes they're, they're not. Um, but you can kind of tell based on how your career is moving, the opportunities you get, and things of that nature. So that, that's that's really what I've experienced in terms of you know my mentors versus who sponsors me throughout uh, my career. And I think it's important to be mindful of that in terms of the mentoring relationships that you cultivate, and also with your performance in terms of people who will take a chance and and advocate for you to progress in your career. Absolutely. And when you're talking about a sponsor, right, you're talking about people who are putting their name on the line for you, for your career benefit. So like you said, that performance has got to come through. Yeah, you have to establish that trust that you're actually mm -hmm. going to follow through and, and do what they said that you were going to do. Absolutely. And you can, you can easily lose it by not performing or not showing up in the right way. So um, being mindful of who your sponsors are, who they could be, uh, and how you, you comport yourself, it, it's very important. Absolutely. Mm. I'm going to cut you off in one second. <laughs> just because I want to piggyback off of what Chris said. And I, I do want to note, just know that you are always being interviewed, okay? If you are, while you're here at this conference, know that you are being watched, that you are being pursued. And make sure you're always aware of your presence because those sponsors are going to speak your name in rooms that you don't hear, like Chris just said. But they're going to speak it not just based off your performance, but what they see you do, what they hear about you, how you move. So all of that is important. So even while you're here at this conference, just move in a way that you're always being interviewed because they are looking. I'm looking. <laughs> right. And don't, don't be afraid to step out. I, you know, I just had an opportunity where I'm going to a new program. and. Basically, when the uh, manager, like a manager three, had, he'd been with the company for you know 30 years or almost 40. So he knew all the players, you know, knew all the directors, and he said, hey, this person from software, they recommended you to lead up this team. You're going to put a team together. You're going to pull it here. You know, I'm, I'm asking all the questions. You know, do you guys got money? Are we going to be able to? That's <laughs> important. <laughs> you know, will I leave this and I have a place to land? You know, those are the questions you ask. You'll learn about it <laughs> as you grow. <laughs> but he's saying, yes, we're, you know, we're going to do this. You're going to have what kind of flexibility? He says, look, you're going to totally run it. I count on you. And I'm not looking to ask you any questions. I'm just looking for you to handle it. And that, that's a good thing when you get to that place in the career where you, 
And then you go and you meet all the people that sponsored you that said, hey, he's the person or she's the person. And you're like, okay, thanks, you know, hey. Now you're thinking, I got to perform. <laughs> so what I started thinking is, what kind of people I'm going to grab? I'm a different kind of leader where since I go overseas and I work in the disciple pastors and everything, I try to grab people that may be smarter than me, may have the skills and have more time. Because I realize that you don't know everything. So you want to bring the, the right fit together. And it may be people that are actually smarter and you want to be able to listen because you know that they will bring that dynamics. So when you're sponsoring, when somebody's sponsoring you and you're pulling together a team, don't try to always put someone as where you got more knowledge with them because it won't work. You got to put the right fit in there. And that may be people that actually have more skill set than you. But you got to, as a manager, as a leader, you learn how to lead people that are more capable than you. Because it's about the capability and it's not about what you're capable of doing. Yeah, the team complements one another, right? Everyone right. on the team complements you, absolutely. So we're just over the halfway point. I want to make sure that if you do have questions, that you have a chance to answer those. I'm sorry, ask those. Um, do we do have a question in the audience? All right, let's go. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Gisela Viacor. I am a cyber analyst at Northrop Grumman. Um, so I had a question for any of the panelists. Um, as a young engineer, I found that I'm currently growing in my career and I'm kind of using multiple hats and kind of entering kind of a leadership role. So what advice would you give to a young engineer, a mentee that's like kind of, sorry, I'm like kind of nervous, that's kind of entering like a leadership role? I can start. So Jadel, thank you for your question. And don't, don't be nervous. We're all family here. <laughs> so I think I'll, I'll think back to my career when I first took on my first leadership role. I think to get prepared for that role is the most important right now. Right? You need to take on opportunities that aren't in your current wheelhouse. It's something that I, I think I learned this weekend. I was in a summit, and they talked about adding to your tool belt. So what are those things, and have some self-awareness about it. So what are those things that you want to work on that's going to prepare you for that leadership role? You'll never perfectly be prepared. You're going, if you're a little bit nervous, that means you're probably ready, right? That's that opportunity where you might not know everything, but getting prepared enough where you have a, enough tools in your tool belt is, is going to be key for you. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to jump in. I would say give yourself grace. Um, know that you're going to make mistakes. Um, know where your safe spaces are to go ask questions, um, to get the answers that you need. Um, humble yourself to do that because oftentimes we want to prove how smart we are. Um, and you churn, and that is, a, is problematic. So definitely be humble. Um, but definitely what Tina said in terms of the preparation is key. Yeah, I'll just broaden it a little bit. Every role or every stretch you take in your career should make you uncomfortable, right? If, if you're completely, if you know that you're going to go hit a home run, that's not the role for you, right? Go stretch yourself, and, and it, that's a great thing. You should embrace that nervous energy because that's what's going to grow you and make you better, and that's going to ultimately prepare you for whatever the role is after that, right? So, so I think that's a, a great thing, and you're on the right track. Thank you. And... Um, Kind of like, you know, like I told you in Melbourne, you know, I, I'm proud of you. I, I believe in you. You don't have to worry about saying I don't know. You don't have to worry about the imposter syndrome. You don't. It's okay. As you get older and been around long enough, I'm quick to say I don't know. If they, if they appointed you for that position, they believe in it. They value you. So 
If they value, value yourself. And value yourself doesn't mean you have to know the answer. Just be okay with not knowing the answer. And be honest with people and say, I'll get back with you. Because they will respect that more I get back with you than you spouting out something and they're like looking at each other. They don't, she don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and you don't want to, you don't want to give that impression. And after a while, don't worry about it. You know, you fall and fail. Everybody make mistakes. So don't allow your small setbacks to become milestones in your own mind. You understand what I'm saying? So just, just flow with it. Everybody, you know, all these people that act like they ain't made a mistake, they, they, they royally messed up. They just ain't telling you about it. Okay, so I value you're gonna do good. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, and good luck. Where you are in your career, <laughs> uh, networking is gonna be the important key. There are people around you that you can ask the question. Maybe that person doesn't know, but they may some, know someone else that knows. So there's people here that, that, that can answer your question and help you succeed in your career. Thank you. So just one more thing to, to follow up on the, the I don't know. My, my favorite question to ask right after that is, I don't know, what do you think, right? Because it's, you're valuing the other person, you're getting that input, and you're learning yourself by doing that. So that, that, that's just something to keep in your tool belt is, again, absolutely agree with my, the other panelists. Be authentic, be, be vulnerable at times with your team to say, I don't know, but, but then always be asking your team and those around you to bring their ideas to the table, make sure that they feel valued in that way. Great, thank you, you so much. Got a whole mentoring session up here, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right, and a couple of things that came to mind when we were um, just sharing on our great question, because that spurred so much. You Absolutely. saw the energy that came out of this panel. Um, Brian mentioned, um, I think Brian or Anthony mentioned networking. If you're looking for a mentor, networking is an amazing opportunity to find one. Um, I think that when you're in spaces like this, right, you could, all these people here are now potential mentors in this room. Um, so don't, um, I would say don't uh, miss the opportunity to network. Sometimes you think networking is more social, more fun, but it absolutely is a way to build your, um, build your connections. And sometimes the mentors that you get out of those, those sessions, those um, networking sessions, can lead you to other mentors. They can actually connect you with more people. So just another little tidbit I want to add there. All right, Sarah. Thank you, Letitia. Um, thank you for that great, great question. Um, I have a follow-up to that question and also something Tina mentioned initially. Um, you talked about your sort of like early career transition from technical to program management, um, sort of based on an opportunity that your old mentor provided. Mm -hmm. How did you know it was time to transition from technical to program and like also to come back because I know that doesn't yeah. always happen. Yeah, oh, I love that question. I don't know. <laughs> and they said it's okay, I can say that. No, <laughs> when I, so while I was at uh, Northrop, they actually paid for my master's and then they also paid for me to do a project management cohort. And through that coursework, I knew I wanted to try it, right? Real on-the-job training. So as I completed that coursework, that's what kind of aligned me to going into program management. It was that, that completion of the coursework. And to be honest with you, I still love it. So my career has been based in program management and operations, and I keep going back and forth because I love both. I need a perfect job, Candace J, in regards to that. <laughs> that can give me both. But it's one of those things where um, 
I completed coursework, but I also knew it was time for me to pivot in my career, and I needed to do something that made me kind of, as Brian said, a little nervous. So it was, it was that point in me, for me. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. And if anyone else on the panel yeah. wants to speak to that, please feel free. Yeah, I can, I can, I can speak to it a little bit. Um, I started to get pulled into those kind of roles. I started off as an IPT lead and then took on camera responsibility. Um, and then I found myself um, with multiple uh, IBTs and cams. Um, and I was asked to be a, a deputy. And then I got the opportunity to actually go to space systems um, to be a PM. So it was just kind of a natural progression because you started doing the work already and then you took on the actual role. Hello, hello. My name is uh, Damon Raynor. Um, I work at Collins Aerospace under RTX. Um, thank you for being here. And I've been in the game for uh, about eight years now, right? Um, consider myself to be a leader and, uh, and also as a, ment uh, as a mentee, one of the experiences that I've had is not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I came in um, like 23 and uh, I knew that there were things I didn't know and then I knew that there were things I didn't know I didn't know. Um, and what I'm, um, uh, I think that there's a responsibility for, uh, from the mentee and then also the mentor in order to be able to guide um, that, uh, that mentee to figure out the things that he or she doesn't know that he or she doesn't know. Um, and I was curious as to know um, uh, what your opinion is as the responsibility of the mentor to be able to guide such a person. There's a book, uh, Five Dysfunctional of uh, Team Leadership. And one of the things they talk about is trust. Mm. People will stay with a company or they stay with a sector or stay with a group is when they find trust. And trust is, I value you. When, when you know that the person really value you and you can trust them that you don't catch them in a lie or catch them saying something wrong that's off the wall, then you can find that that's a relationship that you can build on. Because mm. trust drives pro productivity. So you really got to establish that trust area. I think I would add, yes, I love trust, and, and I think that's the step one. I think I'm going to actually charge it back to you. Okay. It's, it's curious that you said, what can the mentor do? Your mentor may not know you, right? Yeah. So it's this opportunity for you to kind of introduce yourself. And it's okay that you don't have this grand career plan mapped out. I still don't, and I'm 16 years in. But I think you need to have an idea of what you want to do in the next three to five years or even year, right, or what skill set you like, or just come with some meat. And I'll tell you, we didn't get to this question, but real quick, I had a failure point in a mentor-mentee. I had a missed point. It was my first opportunity early in my career. This VP, she allowed me to get on her calendar. I was excited. And I walked into her office, and she said, so, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, oh. I was completely unprepared, and I never went to her office again. Completely missed point for me in my career. So I'm, what I'm sharing with you is you want to be prepared for that discussion. Many times mentors have very busy schedules just like you do, right? So you want to be intentional with that time that you get. So that preparedness is, is critical, I think, for even establishing that trust and establishing that relationship. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in a little bit, but I do think if you agree to mentor someone, um, you have the responsibility to help them explore those things, yeah. right? So yeah, you can come with a plan, but you're the the 
the learned person, you're the person with the experience. So you ask those pro probing questions to help them discover um, what it is they want to do. They may, you may help them go into a different direction that they never, never thought of going. So if you take on that responsibility, the mentor has to be intentional as well in terms of making sure that there's effective use of the time. Thank you very much. Oh yeah, and you know, Northrop Grumman is hiring, so if you, if you want to explore a little bit more, see us at the booth downstairs. We're hiring, we have great mentors, I'm just and we, okay. and we do value you. You look, so, you look so at home, so I just wanted to extend the doors. Good morning. I hope your manager isn't in here. You can, you can come too. <laughs> All right, so we are up. We are, this is our final 10 minutes, so we're going to get through these questions. All right, uh, good morning. Jermaine Harrison. I'm at the uh, St. Augustine site. My question is, I want to get an understanding. My path, I'm in facilities, um, uh, kind of behind the scenes and a lot of things that go on within the company. So as a facilities uh, engineer, how do I get that? exposure, that recognition, you're talking about networking, you're talking about uh, just being in a, in a room and somebody's, you happen to walk past and ask that question. I don't get that opportunity. I'm off in our own corner, in our own uh, building room sometimes, and, and uh, my projects don't get that visibility and exposure. So how do I go about, and when I'm not, especially not at a ATG or a BEA or an SB conference, I'll, I'll, let, I'll have your Something I tell my kids, you're your own brand. You got to expand your brand beyond just uh, facilities. You got to find manufacturing, other groups and stuff. You got to cross pollinate. But you got to brand, you're your own brand and you got to push your own brand. I mean, you never stop growing and branding yourself. You can't, if you don't make time for yourself to go find out about other opportunity, nobody else is going to make time for you. So you've got to make it take one or two hours. Start researching it. Log it up. Add it up. Uh, take a walk. Take a walk over to another, another group. S see some positions that you may want to go for. But unless you make that, you know, it's okay to dream, but sometimes you've got to get up out of the bed. I, I think, I don't know much about facilities, but I, but I know it plays a big part in what we do, right? Um, I think you need to really look at how facilities plays a part in how we do business, what value you bring. Have those conversations with the leaders that come and ask you for space um, and the projects that you're, you're doing. Understand how you're, you're going to bring that value and then, you know, they start to know your name because you're asking those probing questions um, and you're trying to drive things uh, as opposed to just doing things behind the scene. Um, just make yourself visible. Have the conversations, get on people's calendars and things of that nature. That's what I would, that's what I'd do if I was you. Yeah, I would just add to that, again, kind of tying those two ideas together. Work on your brand, work on exact, figuring out exactly what your value is. Because I, I bet you it's bigger than what, what even you've imagined yourself to be. And so, you know, a lot of times every role, HR, communications, I'm sure facilities, um, brought in kind of at the end of, of something whenever something's gone, gone wrong, right? And so 
figure out how, how you can make yourself valuable to be brought into processes earlier. What are those types of processes? You know, there's probably a lot of times there's site level, you know, cross-functional teams and where, you know, where, where things are being figured out at the site level. Try to get yourself volunteered to be on those teams, to have a seat at the, the table, to, to meet people and to, to show them the value of having that facilities insight in early in the process. One, one last add, and then I'll get up. I think there's also, Northrop Grumman offers a lot of opportunities for stretch assignments. Maybe go off and take six months and partner with someone. Like, uh, I work in the OPM group, Operations Program Management group. I'd gladly take someone for six months and give them a task, right? So maybe try to carve out some time in your calendar to do a stretch assignment somewhere and work with your leadership to establish that. And I wasn't going to jump in because there were so many good answers, but I wanted to, to just share real quick that there are ties to facilities that you may not even recognize, too. Right. And so even those things like diversity, equity, inclusion, we have a facilities working group. And you wouldn't necessarily think that, oh, DE&I and facilities, but there's a tight connection there, especially when you're talking about making the workplace accommodate everybody. So those different ties, like the, exploring those opportunities and doing the stretch assignments like Tina was just mentioning, I think are a great way to get some visibility. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Mark Shelton. I'm a cadet at the Virginia Military Institute. I'm a major in computer science with a minor in cybersecurity. My question for you guys this morning is, as someone who's very early on in their career, and um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of career paths that are out there, especially with STEM majors. Um, so my question to you is, when you, you know, somebody who might not know, you know, where they want to be two levels up, or you know and know exactly what they want their career path to look like, um, how can you identify a mentor two or three levels ahead um, when you might not know what that looks like exactly? Here in cyber, that's a growing field. It's, it's threats and opportunity. That's, that's the big words that you're going to hear. Here, you're, you're heading in the right path. I mean, even the young lady that's sitting next to you, she's in, heading in that cyber arena. So you can find, I know down in the Melbourne, we have a doctor and someone that may be like at a fellows level. You can grab at that fellows level and ask them where they, like the one of the fellow that runs up our cyber unit, I know he was prior military. So he would have a commonality that you have is that, oh, okay, he understands the military. But then you want to drop down to, from that fellow down to maybe a T4 or a T3, a senior person that's not necessarily, they got a, more time on their calendar. Because the only way that you're going to get something out of the value out of relationship is if they can make time for you. So you're going to need someone just one or two that are going to have more time. Right. And this also gets back to networking. You know, you network with your peers at your level. They may know someone at the next level that they can uh, point you in that direction that can help you out. Um, so, you know, you're coming to the company and you'll look at the, the global address book and say, oh, because you can actually do this in Workday, look up the chain, see who is above a certain person, all the way up to the VP, to the company CEO. Um, but in your peer group, as you network with the people in your project and your, your department, they will also be able to say, hey, this person at this level should be able to help you in your cybersecurity career or software engineering, system engineering, or whatever you want to uh, take on. Okay, we have five minutes. Let's get through these right. last two questions. I'll make it quick. Good morning. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a third year Pathways at Northrop Grumman and part-time grad student at Johns Hopkins University. My, qu thank you. 
My question for you mentors, what has been your biggest challenge navigating a mentor-mentee relationship and how have you overcome it? Okay, I'll start. So I had a mentee one time, and I'll keep it short, who just knew everything. So everything she asked me, it was, oh, I know, oh, I know. Oh, I know, and I, and I said to her, so why are we meeting, right? Frankly, I mean, I was just honest with her, like, why are we meeting? So I think it goes back to some of the comments we shared this morning. You gotta have a relationship where it's a give and take, and you wanna learn from that person. I'll learn from you, you'll learn from me. If, every, if our entire conversation is you know, you know, it's a waste of time for both of us, right? So I think you gotta be open for feedback and wanna hear, and you can take, now I'm not, I'm not saying that you wanna, everything that I say, you gotta take and move with it, right? You take some, you leave some, but you gotta come in with that opportunity to wanna learn and grow from that person. And I would, I would just go back to one of my earlier points. I think the biggest uh, pitfall is you have to have a relationship where you can be vulnerable and have that trusting relationship where you're trusting what they're telling you and, and you know, you, they can, they've been in your shoes before you, you, you trust what they're telling you, they're trusting you, et cetera. Um, if you're not vulnerable with them to, to give them the ground truth, then, then you're not going to really get anything out of that relationship. So that, 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 that to me is, you know, the big thing about picking the right mentor is picking somebody who, you know, has that, you know, has that ability to place themselves in your shoes and you can kind of be vulnerable with them. Yeah, and my, my challenge was um, wanting more for someone than they want it for themselves. Um, mm -hmm. You give good advice, you give good counsel, and then you see that it wasn't applied. Um, and then finally, you just have to really um, leave them to their own devices. So that was, that was something that I had to come to terms with because the person was not, just not going to, you know, uh, take the advice. So sometimes you find it yourself in those situations as well, unfortunately. And you, you got to be self-aware. You know, I, I realized in my career and, you know, even as I was sitting there, Chris, you know, I remember just me always knowing everything. And I said, you know, I got to drop. I had to learn to not always be cutting people off and speak. And I still you do that today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got my wife telling me that all the time. You know, she's helped me. She's, you know, pinched my leg. <laughs> but I had to become very, very self-aware. And I realized that's, that's something I struggle with. My whole family, we, we had a culture where we always talk over each other. And I'm like, man, I'm doing that in the workplace. I didn't realize I was doing that. It took a lot of years, but I, I became more self-aware. And then, it's not, it's not a submissiveness, but it's, it's something of just saying, I don't know the answer, and it's okay. But if you, it's already full, most people are like, I don't have time. This person already know everything. Why are, they, why are they in here wasting my time? I mean, they don't say it like that. They'll say it politically, you know. I don't have time. I must tell you, I ain't no, got Tina time. Tina said it. Yeah, I Tina said it. Yeah, she said it. So my name is Imani De Silva. I work at Raytheon Technologies at Pratt and Whitney. Uh, <laughs> um, so my question is, like, how do you ask someone that may inspire you, but you don't like work with them directly to like be your mentor? Just ask. Just ask. That's it. <laughs> Simply put, great question. <laughs> I guess it's like. Like if they're busy or like you don't talk to them, but so, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Um, I went to a round table one time and um, it was phenomenal. And I sent the thank you note and I asked if I could get on the VP's calendar. And 15 minutes la later, 
I was on the calendar. We met one time and then he was my mentor until he retired. So sometimes it's just asking. Don't assume that it's gonna be a no. If it's someone that you admire, if they're doing something that you're interested in, ask the question. The worst they could say is no, and they probably won't. Okay, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. So we are just a minute over time. I know everybody wants to get to the um, technology recognition luncheon. I wanted to thank everyone here. I wanted to thank our winners again for just and our panelists here, our wonderful panelists. We got about 10 different mentoring sessions just out of this group. So thank you so much, everyone. Um, have a wonderful conference.